Hello and welcome to another episode of At Any Rate. I'm your host Natasha Kanova and I head global JP Morgan Commodities Research. Today we want to discuss US diesel and the shift from petrodiesel to renewable diesel. I'm joined today by Thomas Palmer, a vice president of our US food producers and food retailers team out of California. Welcome, Tom. Thanks for having me. So wholesale diesel price fell to $2.60 a gallon in New York Harbor. It's down from $4.10 a year ago. Uh, we're hearing a lot of uh, talks about worries of an impending recession um, because diesel is that important for the economy and it runs from everything from construction equipment to farming equipment, but also trucking. Uh, the declines are weighing on crude oil and pushing down margins for refiners, which have slumped by about half since the start of the year. So, for example, in the U.S., the diesel crack spread, which is the difference between the price of crude oil and the price of diesel, has plunged almost 47% to the lowest since December of, of last year to about $12.70 in April. Again, all of that seems very dramatic considering the percentage drops, but for scale, even after dropping dramatically, both diesel prices and cracks remain 40 to 30% above their respective average levels in 2019. Uh, though I understand why this weakness is attributed to, uh, to the weakening U.S. economy, in reality, in the U.S., weakness in demand for this heavy machinery fuel that is used, as I said, in everything from trucks to construction equipment is not a new phenomenon. Similarly to gasoline, looking at the statistics and the data, we observe that American truckers have been driving more on less. For example, uh, in 2020, the U.S. Department of Transportation began tracking weekly travel volumes of trucks on U.S. roads. And so they're using traffic data from over 3,000 stations and cameras on interstate highways. What is interesting is the data shows that in both 2022 and 2021, Total vehicle miles traveled by trucks were up 6.7% and 9.7% relative to 2019. Uh, in the first two months of 2023, trucks, uh, the trucks vehicle miles traveled averaged 9.1% above 2019 levels. So for 2021, for 2022, and for 2023, so far what we're observing is trucks are traveling more miles than in 2019. Yet, if we look at the demand for petroleum diesel used for the transportation sector, and this is the data coming directly from U.S. Energy Information Administration, it shows that the numbers have actually been uh, below 2019 levels, not by much, but still below. And for example, in, in January 2023, petroleum diesel demand stood at 3.9 million barrels per day, and that's about 0.2 million barrels per day below from the corresponding months last year. A confluence of factors is likely depressing demand. Some of those factors are cyclical and reversible, uh, but most of them are likely structural and permanent. Um, so just for, for background, among the cyclical and temporary factors, uh, uh, a warm winter that cut demand for heating oil, lower gas to oil switching due to the lower spot natural gas prices, but, but also more supply. Russian oil product exports are up almost 300 kBD year over year. Several new refining complexes are coming on stream this year in the Middle East and China, so it's visible that there is no supply. But interestingly, majority of the factors are structural and permanent. Uh, in its petroleum supply monthly report, uh, the U.S. Uh, Energy Administration differentiates between petroleum-based distillates, that's fuels that are refined from crude oil and petroleum refiners, and at petroleum refiners and biofuels, those are the liquid fuels produced from renewable biological sources. Uh, the EIA data show that while demand for petroleum diesel distillates has stagnated, 
consumption of biofuels has been growing, uh, largely because of the availability of various government incentives and requirements to produce, sell, and use biofuels. Uh, what is also interesting is that um, most renewable fuels in the U.S. have historically been consumed on the West Coast, where refiners can take advantage of both the RIN credits from the Renewable Fuel Standard Program, but also state credits uh, from one of the state renewable fuel programs. Uh, however, the most recent EIA data showed that today, all PADs outside of PAD1, which is the whole East Coast, um, is meeting about 7% of their total distillate consumption from biofuels. So it's outside of the East Coast, the rest of the United States, 7% of their uh, distillate consumption comes from biofuels. So, Tom, and here that, you know, you're the specialist, that's where you're stepping into the conversation. So could you please walk us through uh, biofuels? What biofuels are available now? You know, we, we need to differentiate between ethanol that is being used as a substitute for gasoline or blend in the gasoline, but also what biofuels are substitute for diesel consumption? Sure. Thanks for having me on again. Um, so, yeah, on the ethanol side, obviously, that's mixed into gasoline and then biodiesel and renewable diesel, um, which are two separate products are, are what's typically blended into diesel. Biodiesel has limitations. It, it lowers the quality uh, of diesel, whereas renewable diesel has no such restriction. You could run uh, a diesel engine with 100% renewable diesel. And, that, and that's kind of been this emerging product that really has grown over the past several years. So demand really dictated, as you noted, by a series of government regulations and incentives. So you've got tax credits where biodiesel, renewable diesel producers get a dollar per gallon for those products. Then um, also at the federal level, the Environmental Protection Agency has its Renewable Fuel Standards Program, which annually requires minimum levels of, of blending for various uh, biofuels types. So you'd have an ethanol blend, you'd, you'd have um, biomass-based diesel, so a, a combination of biodiesel and renewable diesel that must be blended in. And then kind of the, the key growth driver is state-level program, and, and really it's California's low-carbon fuel standards program. Under this, it, it's a little more fungible than, than having set volumes. Gasoline and diesel, the sale of these products generate deficits and obligated parties like refiners need to offset them with credits. Those credits can be generated from the sale of an electric vehicle or the sale of biofuels. You have blend limitations, as I noted, for biodiesel. You have blend limitations for ethanol, and electric vehicles have not grown maybe as fast as expected. And so where does the incremental credit come from as California's program ramps has really become uh, on the mm -hmm. renewable diesel side. And, and so that's really been kind of the, the key growth driver um, from a regulatory standpoint for uh, for renewable diesel and this higher blend rate. Uh, so what we observed is uh, when I was educating myself on this subject matter is that it does appear that the program in California, the LCFS uh, programs that it's expanding, is that it's not going to be just used in California, but in Oregon and the British Columbia. Uh, what is the future of that? Yeah, so there are other programs today. Um, California, just because it is farther along in its adoption curve and also much larger, is kind of the, the key driver today and is likely to be for the next couple of years. But you're right, there are other programs. So on the West Coast, Oregon is, is several years into its program. Washington State has a program that just rolled out. And then um, broader Canada in July is going to have a program um, that rolls out. Right now, certain provinces, such as British Columbia, have, the, have their own blending programs. So all of that together will help to 
um, drive demand uh, over time. But for right mm -hmm. now, it, it's probably a little more California in, in terms of driving uh, incremental demand. And it'll probably be like that for at least the next couple of years before some of these other states become more and countries become more significant. Mm -hmm. So from your perspective, and you've done an exceptional work. So for everybody, please, in our report, we put the link to Tom's report so that you can, can look at that. Um, so you have been tracking closely the announcements from all the companies on renewable diesel capacity. Uh, first of all, what, what is the future? So it's it's obvious from the data that the biodiesel is losing, uh, renewable diesel is gaining for exactly the same, you know, the, the, the main advantages you described. But overall, from today, and let's walk through 2030, or as much visibility as you have, how do you see this trend developing? Yeah, we're, we're still in relatively early innings of the growth. I mean, if, if you look at renewable diesel consumption in the U.S., uh, 2022 was essentially double uh, 2020. It went from just under a billion gallons to 1.9 billion gallons. Of that 1.9, uh, just under a billion, five of it came from domestic production, and then you have, you know, roughly 500 million in in export or in imports. Sorry, um, mm -hmm. this is going to climb significantly on the production side. So if we look at the current run rate, so the March run rate for production, we're looking at closer to two billion gallons of supply annually. Uh, if we look at capacity, nameplate capacity today in the U.S., it would be closer to 2.5 billion gallons. A lot of this is newer plants that are still ramping. And then by the end of this year, you could have another 1.4 billion gallons coming online. The end, And then over the course of 2024, another 1.2 billion gallons. So all of that kind of chains together where by the end of 2024, we could have an industry with nameplate capacity of 5 billion gallons. Again, mm -hmm. this year's production number was less than a third of that. So really seeing a pretty explosive growth as we think about the next couple of years, especially. And again, all of that would be driven by renewable diesel, yes, rather than bio biodiesel. That's right. All the capacity numbers I just stated are going to be on the renewable diesel side. Biodiesel has actually been shrinking slightly over time. So if, if we go to 2020, it was a 1.8 billion gallon industry, um, and it's gone down about 100 million in, in each of the past two years. And uh, EPA's assumption is that that trend generally continues. Then I think the fair question looking at that is, uh, is there enough feedstock capacity? What is your opinion around that? So it, it's a good question, and it is going to be a, a bit of a challenge. If we look at the current feedstock environment in the U.S., there, there's essentially five eligible types of products that can be used. You have uh, soybean oil, canola oil, used cooking oil, distiller's corn oil, and then animal fats. And those combined could support just over 5 billion gallons of production today for the renewable diesel industry. Now, these feedstocks are used for other things, right? They're also used for mm -hmm. biodiesel, and they're also used uh, in food, or especially on the on the veg oil side, so soybean oil right. mm -hmm. and canola oil. So it, it does start to get really tight. So what what helps to kind of bridge the gap if, if all of this comes online? So first, the crush industry in the US is likely to grow 30% by 2026. And so that should free up uh, just the growth of that industry, about a billion more gallons in terms of what they could support. So now you have 
an industry that could support a little over 6 billion gallons. And, and from a capacity standpoint, now you've got a biodiesel industry that, you know, is going to be a little over a billion, let's say, maybe a billion five. And then you have potentially this 5 billion um, renewable diesel industry. So you're still extremely tight. Um, and that's where imports uh, start to really step in. Uh, in, in a bigger way, because I, I don't think you're going mm -hmm. to see some rush of, you know, livestock uh, production, because when you get rid of the animal fat, it sells for a better price. And the ethanol industry is where most of that corn oil is coming from. And that's not right. exactly growing either. So that's yeah, the overseas is, is going to be we've seen a large increase in terms of used cooking oil coming from Asia. Um, that's likely to continue. We've seen companies uh, such as Darling Ingredients start to expand their uh, animal sourcing footprint. Now they're doing more uh, in South America and looking to build out that industry. So you'll see more animal fats coming from other parts of the world. But yeah, it could be tight ultimately if this entire industry uh, builds out as expected. And so the final question from my side would be that the numbers you're giving us, those are big numbers. Yeah. So does the legislation support this level of renewable diesel growth? As structured today, uh, not necessarily this level of growth. You could have a, a oversupply environment. I mean, if we look at the um, federal level today, um, economics are quite attractive. And so we're not really in, in kind of an oversupply. But the EPA uh, late in 2022 proposed relatively small increases in terms of biofuels for 2023, 2024 and 2025. It does look like there could be some adjustments to this. Last week, the administrator of the EPA testified before a congressional committee and seemed to suggest that these proposed mandates could be revised higher to incorporate uh, production growth. So that was an encouraging sign. And then in California, we're already in oversupply. Credits have been outpacing deficits by record levels throughout uh, 2022. Uh, this is weight on the value of the, the credits. Uh, the California mm -hmm. Air Resource Board, which oversees the uh, the low carbon fuel standards program, is holding uh, public workshops and discussing uh, potential changes to the program. The most significant for our purposes being a pretty dramatic acceleration. Um, it could more than the baseline scenario they've discussed could more than double the pace of the program's rollout. Tom, thank you so much for all your analysis and your information. So for our listeners, we, we use Thomas's guidance in terms of the capacity and what is what is doable. Uh, we run uh, his forecast through our numbers. And so the conclusion we're reaching is that so in 2022, overall, on average for the whole year, biofuels accounted for about 4% of total U.S. diesel supply. Um, so we do project that this share will increase to about 15% by 2030. Again, this is just based on the guidance we're receiving uh, from, from Thomas. So what that means for the U.S. petroleum diesel demand, uh, it means that uh, it, it will decline by about 150 kBD. Uh, so if in 2022, uh, we average slightly above 4 million barrels per day. By 2030, we see this number sitting at around 3.85 million barrels per day. Thank you all to listening to the Commodities Edition at JP Morgan's At Any Rate podcast. We look forward to continuing the conversation next week. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to JP Morgan Research Reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2023, JP Morgan Chase & Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded on April 28, 2023.